Hello and welcome to the Essential Empowerment Podcast. My name is Amelia Adrian. Together in this space, we'll listen and learn about the ability of essential oils to heal and transform our lives. This is a place for us to diffuse wisdom, to share our understandings and to grow our appreciation for the power of plant medicine with essential oils. And I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to the Essential Empowerment Podcast. I am so thrilled that you came back. And today we're gonna talk about flow. What is flow? What does it feel like when we're in flow? What is the flow state? How does it influence and improve the way that we live our life, the way that we work, the way that we engage in our relationships, all of the things. I'm going to talk a little bit about the characteristics of flow, about how to achieve flow, and especially about how essential oils can help us access that state of flow. And we'll spotlight specifically on Cypress essential oil. So let's loop it back to traditional Chinese medicine in which there is a saying that states, if there is free flow, there is no pain. If there is pain, there is no free flow. Free flow, this movement throughout the body can relate to the movement of qi. Remember that universal life force that moves through our body. And what's said is that if qi and also blood within the traditional Chinese medicine model, if they are not moving at optimum capacity, symptoms can occur and pain would be one of those obvious side effects of uh, a qi or a blood stagnation. So it's crucial to our health, to our physical health, to our emotional health, and also to our mental well-being to find that state of flow, whether it's psychologically, uh, with the way that we process our thoughts, whether it's emotionally with the way that we move through our feelings, or whether it's physically with how we allow all of the things to move through our physical being. So the history of the flow state is was developed by a Hungarian psychologist. He's sometimes called the father of flow. And his name is, I'm gonna say it very slowly to attempt to pronounce it correctly. His name is Michali Sicesent Michali. I'll put his name in the show notes so that you can look him up if you want to explore this further. As I say, he's known as the father of flow. He actually died last year in 2021, October 2021. And he initiated this study of flow. And he started out with studying expert level performers. So people who would be in flow, people like surgeons, musicians, dancers, rock climbers, chess players. But he also moved on to more regular folk, people like Italian farmers, um, Navajo sheep herders, elderly Korean women, Chicago assembly line workers, Japanese teenage motorcycle gang members, you know, you, know, you name it, he, he studied them. And he was studying when people felt their best and when they performed their best. And the only constant commonality between all of those groups of peoples from, you know, from the top level performers, the surgeons, all the way through to the, the elderly Korean woman, woman, the only commonality was flow. Flow was the only constant commonality amongst that whole group of people. 
So when we look at the characteristics of flow, and this is a a characteristic model um, with 10 different... 10 different flavors to it. And this is as assigned by a, a gentleman called Stephen Kotler. And Stephen Kotler is a performance, a high performance expert, but he also really has done a great deal of research into the flow state. He has 10 pieces to characterize this flow state. Some of them may be really familiar to you. You may have times in your own life when you're like, oh, I just know that I was flowing then. Nothing really seemed to to, to become a problem, there were obstacles seemed to melt away, I could just move through things. And you know, if we can create this state, if there are things that we can do to actually um, like manufacture this state, so to speak, so that it then becomes more of a second nature to us, I think things would be easier, right? The first quality, the first characteristic is of, of a flow state, according to Stephen Kotler, is that action and awareness begin to merge. The doer and the doing become one. And if we look at this from a perspective of consciousness, it's very interesting because there's a, um, there's a merging. So we become the action, there's a being. So in other words, the actions start to feel automatic and they require very little or, or no additional resources to actually uh, perform them. The second characteristic is selflessness our sense of self begins to disappear. And crucially, our sense of self-consciousness begins to disappear. Very interestingly, the inner critic begins to be silenced. I know one of the things that can be such an obstacle for many of us for moving forwards is just this idea that somebody is going to criticize or that I'm going to criticize myself or that I'm, I'm so self-conscious. And, and, and if those sorts of things can start to melt and disappear away, obstacles start also to melt and disappear. Third characteristic is timelessness. So we begin to experience in a state of flow this kind of altered perception of time where past and future disappear and we become into this eternal present moment, this generous present moment, this deep now. <laughs> Fourthly, effortlessness. Within this quality of effortlessness, the struggling and the strife vanish and the experience itself becomes intrinsically rewarding i'll talk more about that in a moment fifthly we gain a paradox of control now i i'm less and less of the belief that we have control but i do believe we have agency and in this state of flow we develop this powerful sense of control let's call it agency over the situation we become master of our of our of our destiny so to speak we become able to um, to guide to navigate this small slice of destiny this small route that we're taking so it might be that we don't have a sense of agency or control over the bigger picture but we may over this particular activity or action that we are engaging in that we are engaging in within a flow state the sixth characteristic is intrinsic motivation now this is super interesting because it means that the experience itself is intrinsically motivating. So it creates this kind of um, loop of energy where we don't do things because we have to, we don't do things for money, we don't do it for love, we simply do it because the activity itself is incredibly enthralling to us. And that in itself, the activity in itself is the reward. I love that. I just love that idea. Maybe there is a flavor of love in there if we if we look at it for um, the broader the broader idea of what love is. 
Number seven, it's a feeling of intense concentration when we're in flow state, but it's not a concentration that is forced. It's more um, a sense of focus on the right here, on the right now, on this moment. More specifically, this, this sense of, of, of intense concentration on a small limited field of information. You know when you've just been completely absorbed in the in the present moment when you've been you've been focused on whatever the activity it's it is whether it be cooking whether it be writing whether it be painting whether it be playing with your kids whatever it might be but there's this this sense of time vanishing so timelessness disappears but also this sense of concentration completely here no distraction completely here right here and now in this present moment the eighth characteristic is that we have uh, a balance of skill and challenge. So the challenge of the action or the task is just that little bit more than our skill sets, just a slightly little bit of a stretch beyond. So we do have to push ourselves slightly outside of our comfort zone, but not so far outside of it that we freeze and we collapse. So there's what we would, um, what we would call a stretch, not a snap. The ninth characteristic is to have a clear goal. And these don't have to be big goals, you know. Whatever your goals are, it's about breaking them down into small chunks. We all know that phrase, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And that's exactly one of the characteristics of flow state is that we don't necessarily do the, the we, don't, we don't focus on the, the great big massive goal that we might have, but we have it broken down so that we can focus exactly on what we're doing now and know what we're doing next so that your attention can stay very, very focused in the present moment. And then this one is really helpful, I think, is that the final one is the immediate feedback. So immediate response. So the gap that you witness between cause and effect is tiny. So in that way, when things are, are happening, you can course correct in the, in the middle of the action. I think crucially, it's also important to know that flow is not an all or nothing experience. It's not like you're either in flow or you're out of flow, although I've definitely had the times when I know I've been out of flow and I definitely can recall times when I've been totally in flow. But it's helpful, I think, to understand it as a spectrum, a spectrum experience. So it's been quoted that the degree of flow is a continuous variable, that it can be used to characterize the experiential quality of an everyday activity. The degree of, say that again, that quote from Frederick Ullen, the degree of flow is a continuous variable and this can be used to characterize the experiential quality of an everyday activity. So thinking of it as a range. So thinking of things that step you into flow, thinking of things that take you into flow, not like, oh, I'll never achieve it. That's like, that's impossible. So some of you may or may not know, in my youth, I was an athlete. I was um, a sprinter and what we would talk about when we were training and one things one of the things that was referred to often was this being in the zone and you'll often hear athletes talk about being in the zone and you know if you watch sprinters at the start line you'll, you'll see them very kind of focused and very um very kind of dropped in and when you're in that place the running happens so naturally and so effortlessly and everything is relaxed and you can actually run faster than you could if for example you were really kind of 
you know, worried and looking at the people next to you and tense and nervous. I'll talk more about this um, at the end of the podcast, but just understanding that this quality of being in flow state, this quality of being in the zone, so, so to speak, is achievable for all of us. It's a spectrum experience and there's ways that we can achieve it. So I'm going to give you now six ways to achieve a flow state. And of course, essential oils will be one of them. I'll talk first of all about staying away from things that take your attention, things that might interrupt your state of flow. There's all sorts of studies done that if you are working and then you kind of, you go to your phone beeps, for example, and you go to kind of answer that phone, it takes you a certain amount of time. Some studies even say 20 minutes to get back into that position of flow that you were in before your attention got grabbed and kind of got taken away from you. So big attention grabbers are things like your phone, um, uh, notifications from your your computer, that sort of thing. Also children, (laughs) big things that can interrupt state of flow. Sometimes there's nothing we can do about that. The second thing is to, as I mentioned before, balancing the challenge with the skill that will help take you into a flow state. If that challenge is bigger, um, is, is so big that it takes you into a place of stress or anxiety, that's going to block things. That's going to, that's going to cause you to kind of stop, maybe even freeze. However, if that level of skill is just exceeding, um, just exceeding what you are capable of, just a little bit beyond what you're capable of, that's going to be something that you can stretch to. Now, if the level of skill is way too low below what you're able to achieve, it's actually going to induce boredom and distraction. So what we're talking about is this kind of middle teeter-totter place, just in the middle where the balance is just right. So it's about finding that balance between the level of skill and the size of the challenge. Some studies suggest, and I think this is... I think this is probably interesting. Some of us find it easier to work together. Some of us find it easier to work to work alone. But in one study, researchers from um, St. Bonaventure University asked students to participate in the activities that would induce flow. And they asked them to do it firstly in a team or by themselves. And what the study showed was that the students rated flow to be more enjoyable when they were in a team than when they were on their own. They also found it more joyful if the team members were able to talk to one another. So this finding was replicated even when the skill level and the challenge were equal. And the final study showed that being in an independent group while experiencing flow is more enjoyable than one that is not being, excuse me, being in an interdependent group. So being with others when you're in flow is very, very enjoyable. So think of things like playing football, playing netball, all of those team sport games and how much joy there is accessible when you feel, and you can witness it when you watch those those um, acti- those activities on telly or if you go, go to the sport, go to sports, or even if you go to theater and you see um, a dance company or uh, a performance piece and you understand that all of those performers are completely in flow. There's a joy that comes through that. There's a there's a um, an amplified experience, if you like. So the fourth way to achieve flow is to have motivation behind what your activity behind your activity. So most conscious actions require motivation, and there are two basic motivations here at play: intrinsic and extrinsic. So the intrinsic form of um, of motivation would be doing something just because you love it. 
So for example, think of somebody who plays the piano not to take an exam, not even as a performance, just simply because they love the sound of the the, the notes when they when they put their fingers on the keys and they just love that sound of creating something. Think also of somebody who's surfing the waves, a surfer. That's the kind of intrinsic um, motivation where you just do it because you love it. And it may well be that intrinsic motivation is a flow state where complete self-consciousness is lost and we totally surrender to that moment and time begins to kind of mean nothing. And extrinsic motivation, also valuable, would be things that you would need to um, to move you out of trouble or maybe to earn some money or to have some kind of uh, reason why. And that type of motivation is useful, but it's kind of a bit more short-lived. So it's an example of this would be maybe where you are practicing to get a little bit better on a particular musical instrument, but you still needed your teacher or your tutor to validate your efforts. So you were looking for some kind of extrin um, extrinsic validation. So my favorite way, other than essential oils, this is uh, my favorite way to come into flow is either to practice some movement, some yoga is my medicine, or to do some breath work. There is a, a breath practice called coherent breathing, sometimes known as resonant breathing, which is where you measure the inhale and the exhale to be of six seconds, six seconds breathing in and six seconds breathing out. And this practice, when done even just for a few minutes, takes the whole of your body into balance, brings it into an absolutely regulated flow state, and it really just can be done in a couple of minutes. If you can practice for 10 minutes, fantastic. If you can practice for 20 minutes, incredible. But even just to do it for two or three minutes, just to take that inhale six and that exhale six, that coherent breath, takes the whole body into homeostasis, brings the body into balance, and all the systems of the body start to regulate and start to operate um, at their best level, at their highest peak, peak level. So thinking of the immune system starts to operate um, as it should, the endocrine system comes into balance, the digestive system, the respiratory system, all the systems of the body start to harmonize. Yoga also does this, and in fact, there are so many similarities between yoga and the flow state. It's it really kind of can make sense to think of yoga almost like um like a planned activity, a planned flow activity. So we're both trying to achieve that moment of uh, self forgetting, that um, that joyfulness that comes through concentration, and this comes about through the disciplined um, application of the poses in yoga. Okay, let's look at the oils. So when we look at the oils, we're going to look at it from two perspectives. I want to look at the oils from the chemical, the chemistry of um, the essential oils and how that takes us into a state of flow. And then I also want to look a little bit at the energetics of essential oils and how that can take us into a state of flow. So first of all, this sense of effortlessness that we have with flow can take us beyond the normal kind of state of being. And when we're in flow, we have six powerful neurotransmitters working. We have the norepinephrine, the dopamine, the endorphins, the serotonin, the anandamide, and oxytocin. And they all come online in varying sequences and varying concentrations. 
So these are the six most pleasurable chemicals that the brain can produce. And a flow state is one of the only times when we get to access all of them at once. And the psychologist, remember the Hungarian psychologist I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, Michali, I won't attempt his surname again, when he did his initial research into flow, his subjects would actually call this flow state addictive. And they actually even admitted to going to quite exceptional lengths to get another fix, to get into that flow state. So when the experience becomes intrinsically life rewarding, it, it, it becomes one that isn't... Um, it isn't like we need to be reminded to do it. It's something that we just know if we don't do it, we're not gonna feel so good. So it, it becomes after a while something that isn't, doesn't need to be put on our to-do list. It's something that we just know, we know that it's gonna make us feel great within the chemistry of our body. We have that experience. We begin to lose that kind of, um, the sense of, uh, maybe even helplessness, maybe even boredom, maybe even frustration about having to do it. And it starts to become something that we just, we just love to do, that we really want to do. So the, the intrinsically rewarding nature of the experience is what is compelling us. Um, so this, this can explain lots of things. It can explain why things like, you know, people will do um, like crazy stunts, like things like uh, will routinely risk things, uh, you know, like, I don't know, it's something I've never wanted to do, but why bungee jumpers might want to do bungee jumping, why rock climbers might want to do rock climbing. It's because it actually gives them some kind of access to this flow state because they have to be so focused on what they're doing. Also explains why spiritual ascetics would trade any kind of material comforts just for that chance to experience God. I think it's also helpful just as a side note, you can pin this and, and let it filter into your, your feelings, is this would be a great way to unlock motivation within the teenagers um, in our life. You know, if we can help them find a state of flow, it can replace the boredom that we often see rising up in teenagers. It can replace the sense of helplessness that we can see rising up within teenagers. It can unlock their motivation and it has huge, huge in, in, implications for our, for our young people. So the chemistry, remember those neurochemicals that we were talking about, the neurotransmitters. I'm gonna specifically talk about serotonin and oxytocin in relation to essential oils. So I'm gonna talk about a couple of studies here. The first one is a study that showed clary sage essential oil. And it was a study for pregnant women. The women were between 38 to 40 weeks pregnant. And what the study did was it measured the levels of oxytocin in the saliva of women who inhaled clary sage for 15 minutes. And the oxytocin levels increased. So clary sage would be one of your gateway oils, let's say, into a state of flow because it helps to produce oxytocin, one of the chemicals associated with flow state. The study actually showed that the inhalation of the scent of clary sage essential oil induced an increasing trend in the oxytocin levels. I'll put the link to this study in the show notes and you can have a look for yourself. The second study I want to mention again references clary sage. Clary sage is a great oil to work with to bring in this state of flow. And it was examining the antidepressant qualities of clary sage. And it was a small study, 22 menopausal women in their 50s. And the study found that after inhaling clary sage, the cortisol levels decreased 
But this is what's interesting. The 5-HT receptors had an increased um, ability to uptake. And the 5-HT receptors are the receptors which um, take in serotonin. Remember, serotonin is another chemical associated with flow state. So the studies showed that serotonin was basically more ready available for the body, for uptake within the body. The, the study of the of, uh, also concluded that clary sage had some antidepressant-like qualities for women. Again, I'll put the link to that study in the show notes and you can have a look for yourself. Now, we also know that there are the category of euphoric oils. These are the, the florals, the ones that create this kind of bubble of bliss around us. These also help with serotonin. Thinking of oils like your rose, like your jasmine, even thinking of something that is like a sweet wood, something like sandalwood, these would all help with serotonin in the body. And then good old lavender. This is the third study. Good old trusty lavender, our Swiss army knife of essential oils it does so much for us but what's interesting is that the scientific studies um show that lavender and particularly its major constituent linalool so that's the one of the main chemical compounds within the lavender essential oil bind to the serotonin transporters so what that means is they help keep serotonin longer in the body so interesting okay let's look at the energetics as we as we move through this study of flow together. So the main body, the main group of oils that are gonna help us with flow state are the greens. So the greens have this quality of moving energy through us, moving and flowing energy through us like a wave. Anything that's stuck, then you want to think about using a green essential oil. So thinking of your greens, no surprise here, lavender, clary sage, also marjoram. Marjoram is a great oil, very softening and soothing. Thinking of sweet greens, thinking of things like blue tansy, thinking of Roman chamomile, even spearmint. So if you are looking to move into the state of flow, think of calling on those oils, using those oils in all the ways, um, using them on your body, inhaling them. Maybe you want to put them in a bath and work with them that way. So many different ways, easy, simple ways that you can use oils. If we have a sense of resistance, if we have a sense of rigidity, a sense of freezing, call on the greens for resistance. If you're really blocking yourself or resisting something, but you know that somehow it's, it's something that you do want to move through or is possible for you to move through, think of something like marjoram or blue tansy. These are the oils to call on if you're really like insistent that there is a problem, like there is a problem and there isn't a way out of this problem. You're really stuck and, and, and can't see a way out of it. What those oils will do is they'll help to soften and just help to move you out of that kind of stickiness of the problem. If you've got into deep rigidity, like this is only, the, there can only be this way or this way, like left or right, um, A or B, you know, if you're in that real dualistic thinking and you, there can't possibly be another way, think blue tansy. Blue tansy is uh, spontaneous. It's an oil that brings us into our own, um, uh, like, fluid creative spontaneity so it helps to kind of chip away if you like at those kind of hard edges of this or that i'm right he's wrong she's wrong she's right you know those those kind of dualistic um uh, a, a difficult difficult ways of thinking you want to come into the third way that third way of thinking finding a creative solution think blue tansy 
And then if you have frozen, if that is your form of stuckness, if that's where you can't you can't move beyond it, think again of marjoram, think of something comforting and, and really a euphoric like rose or neroli. Even thinking of coriander seed. Usually, or I wouldn't say usually, but sometimes, maybe more often than not, the foundation of fear, of freeze, excuse me, is fear. The foundation of freeze is fear. So if we are totally stuck, it's because we are very, very frightened. Maybe we don't even know that we're frightened. Maybe we don't know what we're frightened of, and it doesn't matter. It's just about acknowledging, okay, I've frozen, turning to one of those oils. Also think black spruce, which is a great, great oil to work with. I have a couple of writing prompts for you if you want to work with those while you're using the oils. Journaling with essential oils is such a lovely thing to do. So this could be like, I don't want to give you homework, but this could be like a playful thing for you to do if you do feel like you've got stuck or you just want to like riff on this for a little bit. So you can just have a couple of writing prompts. The first one is what comes easy. And the second one is what are the sticking points? What comes easy? And what are the sticking points? And you could call on any of those oils that I've been talking about as you write. Just inhaling the oil, having it next to you as you, as you free write. What comes easy? What are the sticking points? And finally, before we finish, I just want to give a little mini spotlight on cypress essential oil, which is not a green. Cypress is actually a wood, but it does have a lot of green in it and also some pungency to it. So it's a very uh, watery kind of fluid quality to that essential oil, even though it's a wood. It's known as the oil of motion and flow. It's an incredibly helpful oil, the number one oil for circulation um, and for kind of lymphatic massage. So often you'll find um, people doing aromatherapy massages will use cypress essential oil to help kind of move everything through, to help help um, move all of that energy through, you know, that chi energy that I was talking about right at the beginning. It's also very balancing, very comforting. Cypress essential oil is used aromatically when we are moving through transition, when we're moving through a loss, and it can really help us gain a sense of security and strength in these times. And I think that's the woody nature of it. It helps us stay rooted and, and, and understand and say, understand there's a safety to the transition. So even though we, we, we might feel the loss, we might feel the sadness, we might feel the grief, or even the transition, whether that's a person, a situation, a, a time in our life, it doesn't, you know, whatever it is that we're transitioning through, Cypressol gives you that rooted sense of security that everything's going to be okay, you have everything you need, and it's safe to move through this experience. Emotionally, the gift of cypress is flow. So to move into that state of flow, diffuse a little bit of cypress, diffuse a little bit of cypress and partner it with like one of your favorite, favorite oils. Oils that work really well with cypress are uh, bergamot essential oil, grapefruit, cedarwood, clary sage. I mean, imagine partnering, <laughs> if you're really stuck, partnering cypress with clary sage and then rooting it in with a little bit of maybe, I don't know, cedarwood, gorgeous combination. Coriander partners well with cypress, frankincense also, uh, juniper berry, lavender, lime, lemon, marjoram, wild orange, rosemary or sandalwood, all great partners for, all great partners for cypress essential oil. 
So I wrote a little, it's not really a poem, it's just some words inspired by some time spent with Cyprus. And Cyprus is really the one to work with emotionally if you just are holding on too tight and you need to let go. You need to, maybe you need to have a good cry, something like that. And it will teach you to trust in the ebb and the flow, to exist in the flow, to breathe in the flow, to cherish the flow, to live is to flow. It will teach you to let go, to let go, to let go. Beautiful, beautiful Cypress. So I'm going to finish with another quote to really highlight what it might be that would take us out of our flow state. And I'll loop back to that conversation about athletes. I think we've all seen um, athletes when they've been running a race and then they might glance to the side to see what everyone else is doing. So rather than staying in their own lane, focused on the task, um, eyes on the prize, watching the finish line, they've looked to the side to see where they are in the race. And I've seen many, many races. I've even been in races myself when I was an athlete where I have lost the race because I've done that or I've seen other fellow athletes or athletes that I don't know on television watching um, competitions, seen them lose the race because they look to the side. The thing that takes you out of your flow state is comparison. When you look and you start to see and what is everyone else doing, that will end your flow state absolutely very, very quickly. And Seth Godin talks about this. He says, a flow state is priceless. It happens when we lose ourselves in the work, simply connecting with the task without commentary or doubt. When we're in flow, time slows down, satisfaction rises and we feel fully engaged. And here's the killer. An easy way to end a flow state is to see how well you're doing. Are you ahead of the other runners? Are you progressing according to the milestones? Do you have more social metrics now? The irony, of course, is that the best way to make progress is to find flow. But if you're using progress as a yardstick, it won't last long. Very wise, very wise words there. One of the beautiful things that I found with essential oils is that they take me into a state of flow in an instant, in a heartbeat, even if it's not on the high scale. Remembering that flow is flow state is 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 on a scale. It's not one thing high or one thing low. It's 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 on a scale. But even just breathing in an essential oil just for a moment, it can drop me into that place of no more worry, lack of self-consciousness. Sometimes I can drop into a place where there's no future, no past in this absolute present moment. Remembering it's very hard to project into the future or project into the past when you are smelling an essential oil. You can really only be here in this absolute present moment. So I invite you to use your oils to take you into that place of flow. Use all of the tools at hand and life will become much more gentle, much more open, much more expansive if we can remind ourselves that this state of flow is open and accessible to all of us. I'm sending you so much, so much love and I'll see you all really, really soon.